that song. I haven't heard that one in a long time. That's good. All right, take your Bibles tonight. Turn with me to 1 Thessalonians chapter 5. 1 Thessalonians chapter 5. Paul is writing to the church of Thessalonica. And he finishes up the book, or the letter actually, that he was writing. And uh, he gives a bunch of rapid-fire, uh, last-minute type instructions. And they start in, in uh, verse 16. They go down through verse 23. Let's all stand together, if you would. And look with me, beginning in verse 16. Rejoice evermore. Pray without ceasing. In everything give thanks, for this is the will of God in Christ Jesus concerning you. Quench not the spirit, despise not prophesying. Prove all things, hold fast that which is good, abstain from all appearance of evil. And the very God of peace sanctify you wholly, and I pray your whole spirit and soul and body be preserved blameless unto the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. Let's bow our heads for prayer. Father, we are thankful for the opportunity to be here tonight. We're thankful for the freedom that we have to have public services. We're thankful, Lord, that uh, you have watched over our congregation. We've had very few cases of COVID, and uh, those cases that, that we've had have been manageable. We just thank you that you watch over us, that you protect us, that you care for us. And uh, Lord, you'd lead and guide us and direct us every day if we just listen to what you have to say in your word and follow the promptings of the Spirit of God. We pray that as we take a look at this passage this evening, that you would uh, help us to see how important it is every single day to have some things present in our life so that, so that other people can see Jesus Christ in us. We pray that you would bless this time together in your words. Speak to our hearts as you do so. May our heart's desire be that we respond to you. In Jesus' name we pray. And all God's people said, Amen. Amen. You may be seated. If you, if you notice, in, if you've ever read through the book of 1 Thessalonians, there are numerous references to the second coming of Jesus Christ. In fact, you could, you could call 1 Thessalonians the book of the blessed hope, even though the, that term blessed hope isn't used there. It's used over in the book of Titus. But, but uh, you find that he, he is referencing over and over and over again the fact that Jesus Christ is coming again. Uh, take your Bibles and just back up a little bit to chapter 2. Look in chapter 2 down in verse 19. It says, For what is our hope or joy? Or crown of rejoicing, are not, not even ye in the presence of our Lord Jesus Christ at his coming, for ye are a glory and joy. And then go down to chapter 3, look in verse 13. To the end he may establish your hearts unblameable in holiness before God, even our Father, at the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ with all his saints. And then chapter 4. In chapter 4, look down in verse 15. Chapter 4, verse 15. 
For this we say unto you by the word of the Lord, that we which are alive and remain unto the coming of the Lord shall not prevent them which are asleep. And of course, that, that whole passage from verse 13 down through verse 18 is a standard passage that we often refer to when it comes to the rapture of the church, the taking away of the body of Christ when we go to be with the Lord Jesus Christ in the air. And then look down in, in uh, chapter, chapter uh, 5 and verse... 23 chapter 5 verse 23 we read it just a moment ago but it says in the very god of peace sanctify you holy and i pray god your whole spirit and soul and body be preserved blameless unto the coming of our lord jesus christ so over and over and over again we find in this book we find references to the coming of the lord jesus christ when you get to the end of the book from again from verse 16 to verse 23 there are seven rapid fire admonitions that he gives to the people that he reminds them of it it looks to me like uh you know when when uh, when parents are sending their child to go somewhere to stay overnight at a friend's to uh to go to camp whatever it might be and you say now don't forget to do this and this and this and this and this that's the kind of uh, of flavor that this has got it's uh, it's it's like a, a parent telling their their children to be careful of the very things that are important on a day-by-day -day basis and in verses 16 through 23 i'm going to entitle this message the last minute rapid fire checklist for for the 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 second coming of christ for the coming of the lord and these are these are these are last minute reminders of things that we need to take care of in our life and i would even suggest that you do this uh there are you've heard me refer to uh and if you've read through much through your bible you've seen this over and over again there are many uh lists of sins there's sin lists that you find in the word of god there's one in in galatians chapter five there's there's a, 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 a pretty extensive list in uh, Ephesians chapter 4 and, and other places. In the book of Colossians, there's one. And we talk about, we talk about you know, go there from time to time, read that list. If there's anything that, that you're doing, you're violating, uh, that you need to take care of it. Well, this is a different kind of list. This is a kind of list that we ought to take a look at on a regular basis to see if these seven things are in our lives on a daily basis. So with that in mind, let's go to the very first one on the list. Look in verse 16. And many of them are not very long. They're very, very short verses. This one only has two words in it. And he just simply says, rejoice evermore. Rejoice evermore. One of the things that as a Christian we ought to be known for is we ought to be known for our joy. You know, and I realize different people have different personalities, and I understand that. But please, don't ever use your personality to excuse your lack of joy in your life. Uh, there, there's always things that have saved people that we have to rejoice in. Uh, for instance, uh, you always have, if you're saved, if you trusted Christ as Savior, if you know for sure that your sins are forgiven and you're on your way to heaven, you, you can always rejoice in your salvation. And by the way, I'll say this, you ought to always rejoice in your salvation. There shouldn't be a day that goes by when you don't just thank the Lord that you're saved. 
Because the truth of the matter is, what do we deserve? We deserve to be in hell for all eternity. And Jesus Christ graciously and mercifully saved our soul and gave us eternal life. And that ought to bring joy in our hearts. In Luke chapter 10, verse 20, uh, the Lord Jesus had just sent his disciples out. And they saw wonderful and miraculous things happen. They came back and they were all excited. They were all thrilled at, at the fact that uh, spirits were subject unto them. But, but in, in Luke 10, chapter uh, Chapter 10 and verse 20, Jesus said this. He said, notwithstanding in this, rejoice not that the spirits are subject unto you, but rather rejoice because your names are written in heaven. And that's something that, that we always ought to be rejoicing over, just over the fact that we know for sure that our sins are forgiven and we're on our way to heaven. Another thing we ought to rejoice in is that we've got a book that can give us direction and instruction. You know, uh, I was thinking about this, <clears throat> just thinking about this the other day. There's different, different uh, words and phrases that we use to describe uh, uh, this book. We, we use the word the Bible. We use the word scripture. But can I tell you the, the, the phrase that I like probably the best of all of them? The word of God. Because that tells me something. That tells me that what I have does not come from man. What's in this book are not man's instructions to man. It's God's instructions to man. And we ought to rejoice in the fact that we can have God speak to us anytime. You read the Old Testament, and that was one of the frustrations that Job had when he was going through his trial, was that he heard nothing from God during that thing. Do you realize that you never have to go through what Job went through in that way. You never have to. Because you can always open up your Bible and get a blessing and he actually hear the words of the living God. Now, what a blessing that is. And that, that ought to cause us to rejoice. Psalm 119, verse 162. said, I rejoice at thy word as one that findeth great spoil. Spoil is something that, that uh, is gained by strength or effort. And when you go into the Word of God, when you find promises, you find, you know, I, I, call, them, I call them golden goodies, just little things that, that you didn't see before. I can remember uh, was, I, I wasn't saved for very long, and uh, I had pointed out to me, I either had it pointed out to me or I found it in my Bible reading, I can't remember which, but in the book of Isaiah it says, The Lord sitteth upon the circle of the earth. Well, that tells you right there that the earth is round. And uh, they knew that way back in the time of, of Isaiah. They didn't have to wait for Columbus, okay, to, to, to make that discovery. They, they already knew that if they read their Bibles and got into it. And uh, we, we ought to rejoice in the promises. We ought to rejoice in the principles that we find in, in the Word of God. We ought to rejoice in the precepts, and precepts are commands. We ought to rejoice in the fact that, that God gave us a book and left us with instruction that we can, that we can uh, read and listen to and, and rejoice in. Another thing we ought to rejoice in is difficulties. Difficulties. It, it, the Scripture says... It says, count it all joy, in the book of James, count it all joy when you fall into diverse temptations, knowing this, that the trying of your faith works with patience. It says, when you go into diverse temptations, don't get down in the dumps, 
Rejoice, rejoice, because the trying of your faith worketh patience. We, we ought to be rejoicing any time God is working on us. You know, one of the things, I've heard several of our men make this statement, and I think I've made it several times. I, I would rather know that God is working on me, even through negative circumstances, than to have nothing going in, on in my life and feel like he's left me alone. I don't want to be put on the shelf. I want to be constantly worked on. I want to be a, a, a hunk of clay in the potter's hand. And uh, those, those difficulties remind us of that. Jesus even said, he said, he said uh, in uh, Matthew chapter 5, in, in verses 11 and 12, he said, Rejoice and be exceeding glad, for great is your reward in heaven. And he's talking about persecutions. He's saying when you go through persecutions, when you go through difficulty, when you have problems, rejoice. Rejoice. Because great is your reward in heaven. You have something to look forward to. Another thing we can rejoice in. Go with me to 2 Corinthians chapter 1. 2 Corinthians 1. Keep your finger, though, and in 1 Thessalonians we'll be back there. 2 Corinthians chapter 1. And look down in verse 12. 2 Corinthians 1.12 For our rejoicing is this, the testimony of our conscience, that in simplicity and godly sincerity, not with fleshly wisdom, but by the grace of God, we have had our conversation in the world, and more abundantly to you word. You ought to, you ought to rejoice in a clear conscience. Now understand the 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 human instrument that wrote this verse was the Apostle Paul. Apostle Paul used to live with a guilty conscience that was never taken care of until he trusted Jesus Christ as Savior. And then he, he made the, the statement often, I live in good conscience be, before God, and I live in good conscience before men. We ought to praise the Lord that we can have a clear conscience. We, can, we ought to praise the Lord that uh, we can have that, that, that uh, assurance uh, in Jesus Christ. David, when uh, he committed adultery with Bathsheba, and uh, actually uh, uh, kind of finagled, I guess is the word I'm looking for, uh, the, the death of her husband, Bible says that he lost his joy. In fact, when he was praying his prayer of repentance, he said, restore unto me the joy of my salvation. When, when we don't have a clean conscience, uh, we lose our joy. But we can have a clean conscience because of Jesus Christ. You know, this is one of the differences, one of the big differences between a, a saved person and a lost person. Not only is there an eternal difference, but there's a day-by-day -day difference. You can have something in Christ that a lost person can't have until they trust Christ as Savior. And that's an absolutely free and good and clear conscience before God. Praise the Lord for that. And every time we confess our sins, the Bible says he's faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Then, then the last thing we can rejoice in, not just our salvation, the word of God, and difficulties and clear conscience, but we can rejoice in, in others. Go to 1 Thessalonians chapter 2 and look down in verses uh, 17 through 20. It says, but we, brethren... 
being taken from you for a short time in presence, not in heart, endeavored the more abundantly to see your face with great desire. Wherefore, we would have come unto you, even I, Paul, once and again, but Satan hindered us. For what is our hope or joy or crown of rejoicing? Are not even ye in the presence of our Lord Jesus Christ is coming? For ye are our glory and joy. We can have, we can have glory and we can have joy in others. In, in uh, 2 John 4, uh, John said, I have no greater joy than to hear that my children walk in truth, whether it be people in your family or whether it be people that you personally led to Christ, whether it be people that you've had an influence on and have helped them grow in Christ, we, we can have joy in, in watching others grow in Jesus Christ and, and uh, uh, become mature in Him. So, so we need to rejoice evermore. Then the second one that he gives us over in 1 Thessalonians chapter 5 is found down in verse 17. Verse 17 says, pray without ceasing. Another, another real, real quick, real short one that's really got, got a whole lot to it when you stop and think about it. He's saying pray without ceasing. In other words, don't let anything stop you from praying. Don't let anything get in and hinder your prayer life. And there's things that can hinder our prayer lives. For instance, and I've got this at the top of the list because I, I find that oftentimes this more than just about anything else can really hinder our, our praying and cause us to back off in our prayers. And that's good times when things go smooth. Do you ever notice you pray a lot more when there's a little trouble in your life than you do when there isn't? Now, that ought not to be the case, but in, in most cases, that's exactly what happens. And we have a tendency to really uh, push up the, 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 the prayers when things are troublesome in our life or in the lives of others. But, uh, but when times get good, we have a tendency to, to slack. We need to be careful. Um, you know, we need to make sure that, that uh, uh, we're praying at all times, uh, never ceasing to pray, pray without ceasing. Not only good times, but, but also tough times. Sometimes the tough times cause us to pull back because we lose confidence in God and, and our confidence. And, and we, we back off on prayer and we quit praying. Another thing that can cause us to uh, and affect our prayer life to go, go soft, and that's weariness and well-doing. Uh, the Bible says we'll reap if we faint not, but it doesn't say we're going to reap immediately. And sometimes we get, we get a little discouraged because we've, we've done what we've known is right, we've done what we know, know is true, and yet we don't see the results right away. And it's easy to become weary and well-doing. Sometimes we get that way just, just because we're tired. And Jesus said we ought to pray and not to faint. One of the things that keeps us strong and that keeps us going is prayer. And then another thing, and this kind of goes hand in hand with what I just said, is, is uh, unanswered prayer. Prayer that has not yet been answered. Uh, many of you have prayed for years for people to be saved. I was thinking about this in men's prayer meeting last night. There's someone that we prayed for last night that we've been praying for this individual since, since I came to the church back many years ago. Uh, we, we have been faithfully praying for this person to trust Jesus Christ as Savior. Sometimes, 
you'll, you'll allow, will allow unanswered prayer to cause us to get weary in prayer and will cause us to pull back. Keep continually asking. Uh, you know, don't ever throw up your hands and have the attitude, well, what's the use? You know, uh, because God says we need to, to pray without ceasing. Don't let anything get in there and stop or in any way hinder your prayer life. Then down in verse, uh, verse 18, verse 18, 1 Thessalonians 5.18 says, And everything give thanks, for this is the will of God in Christ Jesus concerning you. The, the third thing that he, he tells us to do is to be thankful. To be thankful. It's, it's always God's will for you to be grateful. It's always God's will to be thankful. One of my absolute favorite holidays is coming up in the, in that, in the next month, in the month of November. I love Thanksgiving. And it's probably the least commercialized of, of any of the major holidays that we celebrate. Uh, but it's, it's something that... You know, we, we are reminded during Thanksgiving to be thankful, but we need to constantly be thankful. In everything, God says, give thanks. For this is the will of God. It's always God's will for us to be grateful. It's always God's will for us to be thankful. And we, we need to consciously be thankful at all times. We need to thank God every day, not just for what he's done, but we need to thank him for who he is. Uh, we, need to, we need to spend time meditating on how, how good and how gracious God has been to us. And, and what his personal personality traits are. It's not just what, what God has done for us, but it's who he is to us. And we ought to be thankful for those things. We ought to be thankful for others. Um, the truth of the matter is, there's not a one of us that would be where we are today in our Christian life if it wasn't for other people that have been a help and other people that have been a blessing and other people that have been an encouragement to us uh, throughout, the, throughout the years. And we ought to tell folks that. You know, if someone has been, you know, one of the things that we, we emphasize is, is thanking God. And we ought to be thankful to God for all, all that he is to us and all that he's done for us. But you know what? If you think about it, we ought to be thankful to people too. Because people have been a blessing to us. And if they've been a blessing to us in a particular way, uh, we ought to let them know that uh, we appreciate what they've done for us. It, in, uh, in every situation, there's always something to, to thank God for. It doesn't make any difference what it is. I, I heard a story. I don't know if it's true. I don't think it is. But it's about a husband and a wife. And the wife liked to cook breakfast for her husband every morning. And uh, she asked him what he wanted. And he says, oh, I want eggs. He was kind of an ungrateful guy. And uh, so she went ahead and she made him a fried egg. She put it down in front of him and he said, I, I didn't want fried. I want scrambled. So the next morning, she made a scrambled egg. Set it down in front of him and said, I didn't want scrambled. I wanted fried. So she said, I'll get him. So the next morning, in the morning she made a scrambled egg and a fried egg. And put it on his plate. And he looked up at her and he said, you scrambled the wrong one. Well, you know, you know what that is? That is an ungrateful spirit. And we need to be careful. Uh, I, I, I have to watch it. I, I, I'm, you know, I'm, this is just this is con, sin confession time. Uh, I have to be careful about being a complainer rather than a thanker. 
And because those two do not go hand in hand. If you're complaining, you're not thanking. And if you're thanking, you're not, if you're grateful, you're not complaining. And we need to really work on being thankful people. Be thankful in everything, everything, no matter what comes across your plate, be thankful. The fourth thing is found down in verse 19. Verse 19 says, quench not the spirit. Quench not the spirit. In other words, don't let any, anything, any person, or any attitude uh, come in and hinder the power of the Holy Spirit in your life. Take your Bibles and turn with me to Ephesians chapter 4. Ephesians chapter 4. And this is part of the passage of Scripture that we're reading for the month of November, or excuse me, October. But in uh, Ephesians chapter 4, look down in verse 29. It says, Let no corrupt communication proceed out of your mouth, but that which is good to the use of edifying, that it may minister grace unto the hearers. And then it says, Grieve not the Holy Spirit of God. You know, you know, one of the ways we grieve the Holy Spirit of God a lot is the stuff that comes out of our mouth. The things that, the, the criticisms and the complaints and, and the, the, uh, the attitudes that ought not to be resident in our own personal hearts and lives. And those things grieve the Holy Spirit. It says, and grieve not the, the Holy Spirit of God, whereby ye are sealed unto the day of redemption. And then he talks about some attitudes. And these attitudes, every one of them, will grieve the Spirit of God. It will quench God's power in your life. Let all bitterness and wrath and anger and clamor uh, and evil speaking be put away from you with all malice. And be ye kind one to another, another tender-hearted, forgiving one another, even as God, for Christ's sake, hath forgiven you. The, the attitudes that we have, the, 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 the lack of compassion, uh, the lack of mercy in our own lives. Again, we need to constantly remember how merciful God has been to us, how compassionate God has been to us, how patient God has been with us. He's been very, very patient with me. I, I look back at things I've said and things I've done in ministry and in the family and it just in personal relationships, just, just stupid stuff done stuff. And yet God, God didn't just, you know, lay me out and take me home. Uh, he was patient with me and he worked with me and he's still working with me and he still needs to be patient with me. And I'm thankful for his patience. But, but uh, anytime we let any of those attitudes come in, it quenches the spirit of God's power in our life. And we don't want to ever quench the power of the spirit of God. Then look down in verses 20 and 21. These two go hand in hand. They have to do with the Word of God. And it says, Despise not prophesyings, prove all things, hold fast that which is good. And in these two verses, he's just simply talking about allowing the Word of God to work in your life and allow the, the Word of God to work in your life on a, on a daily basis. It says, it says, despise not prophesyings. Despise means to have a low opinion of. And we despise the Word of God when anything takes precedence 
over it. Uh, you know, do, again, going back to the delighting thing, do you delight in the Word of God? Do, do you delight in the commands of God? Not just the promises, the things that He says He'll do for us, but the commands, the things that He expects us to do for Him. We ought to, we ought to delight in those things. And then he, then he says in verse 21, to prove all things. Well, how do you prove things? How do you tell whether or not something is right or something is wrong? I know, you listen to a, a, a news commentator and they'll tell you what's right and what's wrong. Uh, that's, I, I, can't, I can't stand it. You listen to the debate, if you listen to it this week, and uh, the, uh, then the commentators come on afterwards and tell you what they said. Well, I know what they said because I heard them. Unfortunately, I saw all the attitudes that they had as well. Uh, but, uh, but the point is, is that we need to have a filter that shows us what's right and shows us what's wrong, shows us where we ought to go and what we ought to stay away from, the attitudes we ought to have and the attitudes that we ought to, to shun and, and, and turn our backs on. And we, we get all of that from the Word of God. When something comes along, can you discern without somebody else telling you, can you discern whether that thing is a right thing or a wrong thing, that the person's got a right attitude or a wrong attitude? I, I often get things sent to me, whether it be in the mail or people send me emails or whatever and, and refer me to, to different things. Uh, you know, be careful what's out there. There's a lot of stuff out there that looks good on the surface, but when you start to, to, to uh, take it through the filter of the Word of God, you'll, you'll find sometimes, sometimes it's not all that hot. Uh, I can remember one time we were, we were going to church, this was back in Green Bay, it was many years ago, and uh, I was trying to find some preaching uh, on, the, on the radio. We were going over the, the uh, Mesa Street Bridge. In fact, I can remember exactly where we were when I heard it. And uh, I was listening to this guy preaching. Man, he was, I mean, he was doing good. He's preaching. And uh, I was amening him as he preached on the radio. And then uh, they came to the end of the program, and it said, and you've been listening to Herbert W. Armstrong of the Church of uh, the Worldwide Church of Tomorrow. That guy's a heretic, okay? And, uh, but, but I didn't pick it up immediately because the things that he said right at that moment were true. But what we need to do is we need to take what people say and take what we hear and prove them, and prove them from the Word of God. Now, what that means is you've got to know the book. You've got to have your, you've got to have your nose in the book or you're going to get snookered. You're, you know, you're going to, something's going to get past you. Uh, it's important for us to know what the Bible says. When I was, when I was in school, uh, one of the subjects that I really liked was math. I know I'm a sick individual. I understand that. But, uh, but I, I did. I really liked math. And uh, I loved algebra. But I'll, I'll tell you, geometry, kind of, not, not quite so much. I would say algebra was probably my favorite of all the math, math subjects. But, uh, but, but geometry was a little tougher. And let me tell you why it was a little tougher because of the proofs that you had to do in geometry. And what a proof is, is it says, this is what we want you to prove. Given this and given this, prove that such and such is true. And so what you had to do is you had to go step by step. And for the most part, 
it was a pretty lock step. I mean, you couldn't, you couldn't skip a step. There usually weren't two ways to get from point A to point B. You had to, you had to know, <coughs> you had to know all the, the uh, uh, rules and the regs of geometry in order to be able to prove the thing that you are trying to prove at the, at the, be, at the beginning of the problem. And uh, you, had to, you had to know those things. You had to know the rules. You had to know the regs. If you did, then you could prove what was true. If you didn't, you couldn't. And that's the way it is with the Word of God. With, with our Bible, we've been given that so that we can filter things through it and prove what is right and prove what is good. Go back with me to 1 Thessalonians 5 and look down in verse 22. The sixth thing that we're, we're told to do is to abstain from all appearance of evil. Now, this is different than just abstaining from evil. Uh, should we abstain from evil? Sure, but God takes it a step further. And he says, don't just abstain from evil, but abstain from the very appearance of evil. You know, during, during this, this uh, COVID time, uh, I think it's important not only that we do right, but, but that we don't give forth any appearance of, of evil, of trying to get away with something. Um, folks, folks are watching, and it's important for us to be a good testimony. I remember years ago, I, and at the time I heard it, I thought it was silly. The more I thought about it, it might not be. And, and uh, uh, brother, brother Ruckman down in uh, Florida said that uh, when he was alive, he said that uh, he, he uh, used to eat Slim Jims. Now, I eat Slim Jims. I don't have a problem with it. But, but he said somebody looked at him one time when he was eating a Slim Jim and, uh, and thought he was smoking one of those thin cigars. Back, back during that time, those were very popular. And so he quit eating Slim Jims. Uh, you know, and he didn't do it, at least not in public. Maybe he did it in private. He had a private stash of Slim Jims, you know. But, uh, <laughs> but, but he just did not want to be a bad testimony. Uh, one of the classic illustrations is uh, uh, there was a, a particular, and I, I think they still make it. I'm not sure if the bottle's the same, but there was a type of root beer that uh, that was was made in a in a, in a brown bottle, and I'm telling you, if you didn't pay attention to some of you know which one I'm talking about, uh, you're shaking your heads. Uh, it's it it was in a brown bottle, and it it looked like a beer bottle. And uh, I told I told our son Joel, I says, you know, you need, <laughs> you know, I, I personally, I'm just not going to drink that. Uh, if I can get it in a different bottle, I will. Uh, but, but boy, back then, about the only thing that was in brown bottles was, was, was beer, you know, regular beer. And uh, he said, ah, dad, he's that. Well, that's a bunch of baloney. So he was working at Walmart. <clears throat> he went and got one of those root beers. He was sitting drinking it. <laughs> and one of his coworkers came up and said, Joel Dunbar, I didn't know you drank beer. <laughs> and he looked, he says, this isn't beer, this is root beer. Well, you couldn't drink, you couldn't drink beer in Walmart anyway. But uh, I don't know if she was just giving him a hard time or whatever, but, it, but it, it, it showed him something. Whoa, you know, I've got to be careful, not just of what I do, but how I appear to others. And we ought to avoid the very appearance of evil. You know what that is? That's just simply staying away from the edge. 
You know, uh, there's Christians that say, you know, uh, there, there's nothing wrong with this and there's nothing wrong with that. And they try to get just as close to the edge as they possibly can of, of doing wrong and doing evil. Stay as far away as you can. Uh, stay squeaky clean in your personal life. And because uh, folks are watching and we're not only we're not only. Uh, responsible for what we think and what we say and what we do, but we're responsible for how we appear. And then, then the last thing is down in verse 7. It says, In the very God of peace, sanctify you wholly. And I pray God your whole spirit and soul and body be preserved blameless under the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. The last thing is to, to keep our priorities straight. If you were to ask the average person, probably not in our church because I've preached on this many times, but, but uh, you were to ask the average person, what's the three parts of man? And they'd, they'd say body, soul, and spirit. Well, they're right. It, it is those three things. But what they gave was an unscriptural order. Did you notice when God speaks of, of, this, of the body, soul, and spirit, he doesn't call them body, soul, and spirit. He says, I pray God your whole spirit soul and body be preserved blameless because that's the order God wants us to live. He wants us to live with the spirit first. He wants us to live with the soul second, our mind, will, and emotions. And then he wants us to live with our, with our body and mind last. Let the spiritual things be precedent. Let the spiritual things be first. Over and above anything else in our Christian life, we ought to be looking to those things which are spiritual. Uh, that's, the, that's the key to being godly. Uh, you know, don't settle for just being a good Christian. Uh, have, the, have the goal in your life to be a godly Christian. Now, again, I, you know what I believe these, these things are? These are for us. These are admonitions that God has given to us because Jesus Christ is coming again. And I can't tell you how many of you I have talked to within the last, oh, I don't know, six months. And, and you've, you've said this statement or something like this over and over again. I'll tell you what, I believe the Lord's coming back soon. Now, do you believe that? Yeah, I do too. I really do. Well, if that's true, then we need to be more vigilant than we've ever been before. If you really believe that the Lord is coming back soon, we need to have an attitude of rejoicing. We need to daily be praying and pray without ceasing. We need to be grateful. People need to see that gratefulness in us. We need to, to not quench the spirit. We need to allow the, the word of God to work in our hearts and lives. We need to abstain from all even appearance of evil. And we need to make sure our priorities are right. This is a, a good passage of Scripture to look at from time to time and, and just go back to it and say, now listen, today have I done all seven of these things? I mean, this isn't you know, like where you pick one a day. The truth of the matter is every one of these things, every day there ought to be some rejoicing in your life. Every day there ought to be prayer in your life. Every day. There ought to be something, some things that you're grateful for. You ought to have a grateful spirit. Every day, you ought to, ought to be afraid of quenching the power of God, uh, the spirit of the power of God in your life. Every day, we need to allow the Word of God to work in us daily and to abstain from evil and make sure our priorities are right. These are the last-minute instructions 
for folks that are, that are going to see the Lord someday when he comes back. I'll tell you what, I, I want to be right. I, I want to be able to, to look at my Lord with a smile on my face and him have a, a smile returning. Because, because I'm doing that which is right and pure and godly in his sight. Let's bow our heads for a prayer. Father, you are going to come and you are going to come soon. And uh, I can remember back years ago thinking that you could come in any moment. And so far you haven't come. But Lord, you, we are so much closer today than we were then. And we need to have a desire in our hearts to see you face to face. But Lord, uh, if we're going to desire to see you face to face, we need to understand that we need to, to see you after doing right. And these things that Paul gave to the Thessalonians are things that, after telling them over and over again that the Lord Jesus Christ is going to come back, they're things that we need to keep in mind every single day. So that when we see you, again, we can see you with a clear conscience, we can see you with a smile on our face, and we can hear the words, well done, thou good and faithful servant. Father, speak to our hearts tonight. If there be any of these things that are lacking, these things are all, all positive things, they're all forward things that we ought to be displaying in our lives every single day. God, work on our hearts and help us to determine, even tonight, to have these things present every, every single day. People can see Jesus Christ in us. We'll be careful to thank you and praise you and give you the honor and glory for it. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Let's all stand together.